Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. Today we are going to be reading from the book of Romans. Uh, We're looking at chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, and then we're skipping forward a little bit. Um, Sorry, did I say chapter 12? Yeah, verses 1 to 2, and then we're skipping forward to verses 9 through to 21. Uh, The words will be on the screen if you want to follow on the screen, or you can follow on, you've got a device. Uh, Otherwise, there are some Bibles in the aisles. I'm not sure if I'm the outside aisles or not. At least in the middle aisle. Uh, You can grab one of those if you'd like, and if you don't have a Bible at home, feel free to take those. We want you to have a Bible at home that you can read, and that is our gift to you. So, Romans chapter 12, I'm reading from the NIV. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Now up to verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thank you, Hayden. Before I start today, I think it'd be good to get a photo of all you guys, being the first day in a new venue, we're a church that likes to celebrate new things, so you all look very enthusiastic about that. So are you ready to smile? That was a very underwhelming response. All right, smile. All right, hands in the air, look excited. Look at this, Pentecostal. It's great, excellent. Very good. Today, I'm talking about Kindness. And it's a great thing to preach on as a preacher, because no matter how average this sermon is, if you practice what I preach, you need to be kind about it at the end of it. And so I cannot lose today, and so I'm looking forward to talking on the topic of kindness. Of course, it's part of a series that we're doing in January called The Fruits of Summer, and we're focusing on the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And last week we had Lachlan preach for the very first time at Follow, and who thought he did a great job? Last week he did a great job. If you weren't here... 
Uh, it was a great message on self-control. And so if you particularly need self-control or you just missed the message, have a listen. And I'm not just saying that because I have to be kind today. I'm saying it because it was true. It was a great message and well worth listening to. Um, today, it's also a great topic to talk about because we're in a new venue for the first time. And we're only here, um, not because we deserve it, but because God's been good to us. We started a church 18 months ago. Um, the year of little faith, I didn't believe we'd be this far after 18 months. But we are here in a new venue today because God has been incredibly kind. And so today, you are literally sitting in the kindness of God in this auditorium. It might not feel like it in the plastic seats, but you are sitting in the kindness of God. And we are so grateful for what God's doing in our midst. And so today we're going to explore this topic or this fruit of the Spirit, kindness, a little bit more. And a few weeks ago in church, I mentioned that I'd been to the cinemas to see a new movie, um, which is right up there with one of the best movies I've ever seen. Uh, On that day, I said I didn't want to share too much because I didn't want to spoil it for you. But you've had a few weeks to see it now, so too bad. Um, Today, I'm going to tell you about a movie I saw called Hacksaw Ridge. It was directed by Mel Gibson and based on a true story of a guy called... Um, Private Desmond Doss, who walked into the bloodiest battle of World War II's Pacific Theatre, armed with nothing but his Bible, the greatest weapon you can ever have, and his faith in God. He was what is known as a conscientious objector, which means that while he believed that war is sometimes justified, he didn't believe in killing people. And so he enlisted in the war as a medic, and he refused to carry a rifle. In fact, he was the only American soldier in World War II who didn't carry any weapon at all. Now, because of his convictions, he really copped it. You may know this uh, personally. If you've got convictions, sometimes if they're different to other people's convictions, uh, you can cop it for what you believe in. And Desmond Doss certainly copped it, and it shows this very powerfully in the movie. He uh, copped it from his superiors. He copped it from fellow soldiers. And he suffered, as shown in the film, physical and psychological abuse, including being woken up in the middle of the night and being beaten to within an inch of his life. He went through a lot to stand on the convictions he had, and he also endured several attempts by his superiors to have him discharged from the military altogether. But Desmond Doss was determined to go to war, not to kill people, but rather to help them. And the climax of the movie comes in this incredible battle scene at Hacksaw Ridge where the Americans are literally being slaughtered by the Japanese. The mission from the start was thought to be near impossible and when they realised it was impossible, Doss's battalion was ordered to retreat. But Desmond Doss was the only one who refused to obey that command and he stayed behind to save his fallen comrades. He literally went back into the fiercest part of the battle with no weapon to save the very men who had treated him so poorly. He literally went into the battle, grabbed them over his shoulders, dragged them for Ks to the edge of the cliff where he lowered them down to safety. And as they interviewed him later in life, uh, he humbly said he thought it was about 50 men, but the soldiers there that day said it was closer to 100 men that he saved by himself that night. We look at stories like this and we watch movies like that and we celebrate them as stories of great courage. But I think as I watched the movie... It was equivalent in its kindness because those men didn't deserve to be saved by Desmond Doss of all people and yet they were. And I think it's one of the reasons we celebrate stories like that. They're stories of great courage but they're also stories of great kindness and I think the reason we connect with them so much is that we are recognising an attribute that comes directly from God. Many would hear Desmond Doss's story and say Desmond Doss 
is the ultimate example of kindness. But as Christians, we know that's not true because there's an act of kindness that is far greater than any act of kindness the world has ever seen. In fact, Desmond Doss's kindness was motivated by this greater act. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest and most ultimate expression of kindness we've ever seen. It's the greatest, most complete picture of kindness the world has ever known. Titus chapter 3 verse 4 talks about this act of kindness. It says, But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. That's incredible kindness. All despite the fact that we've rebelled against God, all despite the fact that we have sinned, all despite the fact that we fall short of the glory of God, Jesus left the glory of heaven, God himself, in human form and became one of us in order to save us. That's incredible kindness, incredible grace. And the message of the gospel is that all we have to do to be saved, all we have to do to be forgiven, all we have to do is to come back into relationship with God the Father is to accept what Jesus Christ did at the cross on our behalf. That he died in your place and he died in my place for the sins we've committed. And everyone who believes in their heart and declares with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord will be saved. The gospel is a free gift. A free gift offered to each of us. It wasn't free for Jesus. It cost him his life. But it's free for you and me. And that's extraordinary. And I get excited about it. I love preaching about it because the gospel is good news. It's extraordinary, nonsensical, life-changing kindness expressed by God to all of the world. It's kindness which is first and foremost an attribute of God. And so today I want to explore the question, what is kindness? I looked at the dictionary as a starting point and it said that kindness is the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. That's a good start with kindness, isn't it? To be friendly, considerate, and generous. In fact, that's a good way to make friends. I like hanging around with people like that. I want to be a person like that. And it's incredibly attractive when we are people who are generous and and kind to others. But the Greek and Hebrew word in the Bible actually also connects kindness with moral Um, things as well with moral goodness or excellence and so kindness includes being friendly generous and considerate but it also includes living according to God's truth today we're going to look at what kindness is but in order to do that I think it's good to rule out a couple of things that kindness isn't and the first thing that kindness isn't is that kindness isn't tolerance we live in a society that often see kindness as tolerance And so if you don't agree with someone else's opinion, you are quickly labelled as unkind or intolerant, even though their opinion towards your opinion is unkind and intolerant. I don't know if you've noticed that. But there's no doubt that kindness sometimes includes tolerance, but kindness is not tolerance. In fact, sometimes it can be the exact opposite of tolerance. Just imagine if we're going away for the week this week down to the peninsula, and imagine one day we're out on the cliffs looking over the beach, and one of our kids, let's say Taylor, was walking along with her earphones in, uh, listening to her favourite playlist and her favourite song. 
And from a distance, I was watching her walk closer and closer and closer to the edge of the cliff. And she didn't realize the cliff was there. And I know that if she keeps walking that way, she's going to go over the edge of the cliff to a certain death. Now, just imagine in that situation as her father, that I simply applied the dictionary definition of kindness. And I just walked over to her and I said, "Uh, Taylor, excuse me, um, I don't want to be inconsiderate. I don't want to wreck your playlist. I don't want you to pause your song, but I'd like to kindly ask you to step away from the edge of the cliff. And imagine she she said, get lost, Dad. She wouldn't do that, or or would she? I don't know. But but just say she did. She said, get lost, Dad. And at that point, I just said, oh, well, I need to be tolerant. I want to be kind, so I'm just going to tolerate that. And I just watch her go off the edge of the cliff. You would think that I'm a monster. You would think I'm the worst dad that ever existed. Now, the good news is I'd never do that. If I saw her walking towards the cliff and she didn't listen to me the first time, I would run after her and I'd grab her by the shirt and I'd rip her away from the edge of the cliff. And at first she'd probably be furious. She'd go, Dad, I just did my hair. (laughs) That that hurt me. Why did you do that? And and maybe people watching would say, gee, look at that, Dad. He's a bit rough. And and they think maybe I was cruel until they realized that I did it because she was about to walk off a cliff and that action was actually the kindest action because it saved her life. And so that would be an incredible act of kindness. If I said nothing, it wouldn't be kind at all. And in a similar way, in a world where tolerance has become like a God, if we watch people live their lives in a way that will separate them from a relationship with God in Christ, and we don't say anything because we want to be kind, it's the equivalent of saying, I don't mind if you go to hell because I'm trying to be kind. That makes no sense whatsoever. That is crazy. That is not kind. That is cruel. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not um, encouraging you to go and grab people by the shirt and rip them and say, do you know Jesus? Uh, I'm not encouraging you to be arrogant or self-righteous or obnoxious. But what I am saying is that we should always share our faith with every opportunity with gentleness and respect because sharing Jesus with people who don't know him is the kindest thing that we can ever do. And so kindness isn't tolerance. Kindness also isn't avoidance. Sometimes we make this mistake. We think we've got people in our lives and they're doing things in life that are just stupid. They're doing things in life that are going to cause them to be damaged and it's going to cause other people to be hurt as well. And because we want to be a good friend and we want to be kind, we don't say anything because we're worried that we might lose the relationship. Now, a few years ago, I was going through a difficult time and in that season, um, I was pretty angry and I was pretty hurt. And I'm really grateful in that season I had a mate who was willing to speak the truth in love, even if it meant risking our friendship. And there were times where we'd sit down and, and I'd explain what's going on and he would agree with me and he'd say, Luke, you're right, what's happened is completely wrong and, and you have every reason to feel aggrieved by what's happened. And so why don't we pray that God would help you to forgive? Why don't we pray that God uh, would help you to let that stuff go and that he would do something significant in this circumstance? And so there was times where he agreed with what I was saying and he supported me in that. But there was another couple of times where he was very blunt and very direct. And he said these words. He said, Luke, you're being an idiot. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, Luke, you're being an idiot. And if you keep going down this track, bitterness is going to take root and you're going to shipwreck your life for for the long term. And so stop being an idiot and turn back to God. Now, at first, I I didn't really like that. No one really likes being called an idiot. Even if the shoe fits, you should wear it. Um, And I should have worn it in that season. But not people don't like being called an idiot. But as I reflected on that, and as I 
got over being called an idiot, I realised that the kindest words he said to me in that season were, Luke, you're being an idiot. Because it was a kick up the backside. It was the adjustment that I needed, the wake-up call I needed to repent and to get my heart right before God. And for him, it was an act of courage, but it was also an act of incredible kindness. If he had simply gone along with everything I said and everything I was doing in that season, he actually wouldn't be a friend at all. And I don't want friends like that. And incidentally, you don't want church leaders like that. There will be times as a church leadership where we'll have to lead people through church discipline. And that will always be an act of kindness to help that person grow through the things that they are doing. And so let's never think that kindness is avoidance, that we just avoid saying things that need to be said. And let's not think on the other side of the coin that discipline is nastiness. Because the Bible says God disciplines those he loves. And it hurts, but it's the best thing that can happen in our lives because when he disciplines us, he's molding us and shaping us and helping us to live in the blessing that he provides as we become more and more like him. And so kindness isn't tolerance, it is an avoidance. And so what does kindness look like practically? Well, I think that Jesus sets the ultimate example as we read through the Gospels. We see over and over again, Jesus expresses incredible kindness And what it looks like in our lives is what is shaped by what Jesus did. But as we look at Romans chapter 12, the passage that Hayden read today, we'll also see great examples of what kindness looks like in our community. Now, I want to preempt that by saying in the passage, Romans chapter 12, it doesn't actually use the word kindness, but it uses a word very similar. It's the word mercy. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because of his incredible kindness expressed to you and me, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And so in these two verses, there are three keys to living lives of kindness. There's three things that we need to do. And the first one is this, to offer ourselves to God as living sacrifices. Now, it's picking up some Old Testament language. In the Old Testament, the people would take sacrifices to God and they'd kill the sacrifice, they'd put it on the altar, and they'd dedicate it to God to atone for their sins and to bring glory to Him. And so this passage is saying that we are to be living sacrifices. In other words, we are alive and we are dead at the same time. Do you know that you are alive and in Christ you are dead today? You are alive in Christ, you're a new creation, but you're dead to sin. You're dead to yourself. You're alive and dead. And so you are a living sacrifice. If we're going to be kind people, we need to be people who offer ourselves to God daily as living sacrifices. Now, of course, the problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. It doesn't stay there. It keeps crawling off, doing its own thing. And so our spiritual act of worship is to offer ourselves daily to get back on the altar as living sacrifices to bring glory to God. The second thing that we need to do is to no longer conform to the patterns of this world. And sometimes that means doing things that very few people are doing or not doing things that everyone's doing. It certainly means that um, even though we're marinated in the world around us, we need to be people that no longer conform to the patterns that don't please God. And as we refuse to conform to those patterns, we also thirdly need to have our minds renewed, our way of living and thinking 
transformed and renewed by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians tells us that as believers, we can have the mind of Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Now, I don't know about you, but if my mind is not sanctified, it doesn't look anything like the mind of Christ. I'm not thinking about the things I should be thinking about. I'm not dwelling on the things I should be dwelling on. And so I need the Holy Spirit to transform my mind, to renew my mind, to live out what God wants me to live out. And so I think you're in the same boat as me. And so what do we need to know about Jesus' kindness towards us? When we look at the gospel, we see it. And the first thing we need to know, and I'm only going to focus on two basic things this morning. The first one is this, that kindness is something that needs to be expressed. So Jesus could be the kindest person in the world. But if he never expressed it, you wouldn't know he was kind and you wouldn't be blessed by it. If you're a Christian here today, you know that Jesus is kind. He has expressed kindness to you in extraordinary ways. And Jesus expressed his kindness to us by living and giving his life for us. He laid down his life for the church. And as his people, we're called to express kindness by laying our lives down for the world around us and for each other. And so kindness is something that must be expressed. Are you with me this morning? Because you seem like you're asleep this morning. Are you with me this morning? Kindness is something that should be expressed. And so you can smile and nod your head, and that would be kind. And so do that this morning, and you're on the right track. But kindness is something that should be expressed. A few years ago, there was a movement that started called Random Acts of Kindness. And it originated from a lady called Anne Herbert, who was pondering the well-known term, Random Acts of Violence. And she was sitting in a cafe in California, and as she was thinking about that, she scrawled on her placemat the words, random acts of kindness. And it kind of took off. It made its way to bumper stickers and in her local community. But it wasn't until about a decade later that it really exploded when a newspaper published an article with the exact same title, Random Acts of Kindness. Hundreds of local radio stations picked up this term and at the end of 1993, another professor in California um, set a project for his students to be people that go and live out this principle, that you would do a random act of kindness, and as a result of that, there were some incredible testimonies of what was achieved through those kids living out that project. Today, random acts of kindness is a universally recognised term. And when I googled it this week, there were hundreds of pages on it. Uh, 24 acts of random kindness... 101 acts of random kindness, 102 acts of random kindness, 134 ideas for random acts of kindness. It seemed like the numbers were as random as the acts. There's even an organisation I found that's called the Random Acts of Kindness Foundation. And they define what a random act of kindness is. They say it's a non-premeditated, inconsistent action designed to offer kindness to the outside world. Interestingly enough, when I looked in Baker's uh, Biblical Theology Dictionary uh, to define kindness, I came across a similar thing. It said, kindness is an attribute of God and quality desirable, but not consistently found in humans. Kindness is an attribute of God and quality desirable, but not consistently found in humans. And so while I like the idea of random acts of kindness because it gets us out of a selfish, self-centered mindset and it focuses us on other people. I like that. The random part, or the inconsistent part, is actually not compatible with what we're called to be as Christians. 
For God's people, kindness shouldn't simply be a random act of kindness, but rather it should be a consistent act of lifestyle. Let me say that again. For God's people, kindness shouldn't simply be a random act of kindness, but it should be a consistent act of lifestyle. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Clothe yourselves with kindness. This morning as I left the house, one of the non-negotiable things was that I clothed myself. And you are very grateful that I did that. And I'm very grateful you did that. And if I didn't do that this morning, I was standing up here, this would be a very different message, and I'd probably make it a lot shorter, because I reckon all of you would leave, my kids would be the first out the door, all of you would follow quickly behind, and maybe if I was lucky, my wife would stay, and that'd be about it. Uh, But I made a choice today, to clothe myself, it was a non-negotiable, and that's the kind of language used here in Colossians, that we as Christians should clothe ourselves in kindness, it's not a negotiable thing, it's something that we need to do every day. And so what does it mean to clothe ourselves as Christians? Well, it doesn't mean just putting on a t-shirt that says kindness. It doesn't mean buying a fragrance and called kindness and all of a sudden we'll be kind. Last week, Lockie made the point that uh, to live out this kind of life where the fruits of the Spirit are evident in our life, it won't be just about trying more or striving harder because these attributes are attributes of God and they won't automatically come in our lives. And so clothing ourselves is really this. It's a greater dependence and reliance on the Holy Spirit working in our hearts because these attributes are attributes of God which become fruit in and through our lives when activated by the work of the Spirit of God in our hearts. That's a really long sentence. Let me summarize for you. We need God's help to be people who are kind. Now, when you preach on topics like this, it's like God has a sense of humor. And it's kind of like the week leading up to it, he puts people in your life and it's like, you're going to preach on it? Well, here you go, try this one, I'm precise. And even this week, we had someone in our life, that, for Kim and I, that, that caused grief and, and if I had said what I really wanted to say, I'd probably never talk to that person again. And it was only the interjection of my wife and the Holy Spirit, hopefully not in that order, that caused me to strive to be kind in the midst of some pretty unreasonable circumstances. We need God's help to be people who are kind. And in this passage in Romans, there are some beautiful expressions of kindness. And as I list them, you'll see that to live this out, we need God's help. We can't do it on our own. In verse 10, it starts by saying, be devoted to one another. And devoted is a strong word, isn't it? It's not like hanging out with each other occasionally. It's not like catch a coffee now and then, and if you can be bothered, hang out during the week. No, no, be devoted. It's an incredibly strong word. It's even stronger than committed. When you get married to someone, you devote your lives to them. When you become a Christian, you devote your heart and your time and your energy to God. Devotion is a very strong word. It's not, hi, bye, see you next week. There's a depth to it that goes beyond the surface. And as a Christian community, this is what we're called to. We're called to devote ourselves to one another. How do we do that? Well, it goes on. It says, by honoring one another above yourselves. If you didn't think you needed the Holy Spirit for the first one, to devote yourself to one another, you need it for the second one. Because if you're going to honor others above yourself, that's only going to come from God. I mean, if I just did it in my own strength, I would honor number one, me. And you would all be number two. And that's how I'd live my life, because that's how I'm bent in my sinful nature. 
But God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, changes us and turns our life upside down and inside out so we can be these kind of people who honor others above ourselves. And so today, have a look around you. Look next to you, look behind you, look in front of you. That means you'll have to move your head around. Have a look at the people that are surrounding you today. If you're part of this Christian community, you are called to devote yourselves to those people. You are called to honor everyone around you today above yourself. That's incredible, isn't it? That's what a Christ-centered community looks like. Verse 13 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. And so we'll be people who are generous towards one another. It says, practice hospitality. This week I was walking around the lake, or last week with Sanjeev, and uh, he was telling me that this year, every Wednesday night is blocked out. And every Wednesday night is a night where they have someone different over for dinner to connect with them, to help them feel like they're part of a community and to get to know them better. And they cook a great curry. And so if you want to get on the list, go and say hello after the service and drop some hints because uh, the Ministry of Hints works really well with Sanjeev. So, so try that one on today and you won't regret it and you can thank me later on. But, but I love that, that one of our elders is leading the example because that's an act of kindness to take on the financial expense, to put the time aside to have people in your home to help connect them and get to know them so that they feel part of something. And so practice hospitality. Verse 14 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Right now in our community, we've got people who are rejoicing. People have been married recently. Things have happened. They've had children. But there's people that are are mourning right now. There are things in life that are difficult. And when you're part of a community like this, one of the benefits is that people rejoice with you in the good moments. But they're not scared to mourn with you when life's tough, to journey with you through the difficult circumstances that you face. And we only ever experience that if we really plug into a community. Verse 16 says, live in harmony with one another. Verse 18 says, as far as it is with you, live at peace with everyone. That's a powerful verse right there. As far as it is with you, live at peace with a few people, (laughs) the people you like, the people who don't drive you nuts. Live at peace with them. No, no, live at peace with everyone, as far as it is with you. doesn't mean that you'll always be at peace with everyone. Sometimes you sit down with people and you repent and you apologize and you challenge and you try and work through it, but they just don't want it. They don't want to be in relationship anymore. They don't want to, um, you know, work together. And so you won't be held accountable for that. But what you will be held accountable for is whether you're at peace as far as it is with you. And so who in your life right now are you not at peace with? And how much of that equation is on your side and how much of that equation is on the other person's side because as far as it is with you, you're called to be at peace with everyone and that's an act of incredible kindness. So today I want to encourage you to be kind to one another because kindness is something that's expressed practically, not just by thinking kind thoughts but by expressing it practically in Christ-centered community and so be devoted to one another. Honour others above yourself. Live in harmony. Let it go. Assume the best. Be at peace as far as it is with you. Kindness is something that is expressed. Secondly and finally today, kindness is for everyone. Jesus once again demonstrates this for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. Everyone who believes in their heart and declares with their mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. Jesus' kindness is offered to 
everyone. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, the kindness of God leads to repentance. Now, if you're a Christian here today, you've had that moment where you have been blown away by the kindness of Jesus, where you've realized what he has done for you at the cross when you didn't deserve it. And it's brought you to the point where you said, Jesus, yes, I'm sorry for the way I've rebelled against you. Sorry for the things I've done wrong. I need you in my life as my Lord and Savior. And so today I open my heart and I open my mind and I say, yes, come into my life and transform me. If you're a Christian, you've had that moment. You know it's true that the kindness of God expressed at the cross has led you to the point of repentance. It's a gift available to everyone, not conditional on anything you've done, but rather on God's kindness. And it's a great example that Jesus has set for us because I love being kind to my family most of the time. I love being kind to my friends, but I struggle being kind to all people, particularly those who are difficult. But in Romans chapter 12, it's clear That we're to be kind not only to other believers, not only to be kind to the world around us, but to be kind to the point where we are kind even to our enemies. Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. But on the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. In other words, they will realize eventually the shame of their actions when you continually to be counterculturally kind, even when they're being uh, uncharacteristically cruel. With God's help, this is how we can respond in kindness. We can't control what people do, but we can control how we respond. And so do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Kindness is for... Hayden got it. Kindness is for... Everyone. Hayden took the credit. Lockie got it. (laughs) Kindness is for everyone. Very good. This is what I think makes serving strangers so powerful. You know, when you're out serving people who, who, who haven't earned it or maybe don't deserve it, um, people find that incredibly powerful, whether that's at Red Frogs and you're serving people in the middle of the night bottles of water or walking them home safely, whether it's at a food van, sharing food and friendship with the local community, whether it's in a breakfast program, flipping pancakes or knocking on a door and giving someone a welcome pack. I have found in those circumstances that people are often blown away and they ask the question, why are you doing this? I'm sure David has this all the time when he goes to a hospital to to, to spend time blowing up balloons for sick kids. Why are you here? What is your motivation? People are blown away by that. The kindness of God leads us to repentance, but the kindness of God's people leads the world to God's character. The kindness of God leads us to repentance, but the kindness of God's people leads the world to encounter God's character. And it's a powerful, powerful fruit of the Holy Spirit that is radically attractive even to people who don't believe in Jesus. Let me finish by summing up what I've said today. Kindness is not tolerance. Kindness is not avoidance. It's an attribute of God expressed to us most fully at the cross and a fruit of the Spirit given to us 
to express to everyone. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Lord God, you are radically kind to us. Lord, we know that we don't deserve it. We're like those people in the movie who are persecuted Desmond Doss and he saved them anyway. Lord, we nailed you to that cross. It was our sin. It was our wrongdoing. And yet, Jesus, you died in our place. You took the punishment we deserved and you gave us the hope of being forgiven, the hope of being a new creation, the hope of having an eternal life with you. Lord, that is incredible. And today, in a new venue, we celebrate your kindness But today, as we reflect on the gospel, we are blown away afresh by how kind you've been to us. Lord, I pray that each of us would receive that daily, and that we not only receive it, but we distribute it to people in our lives, not just our friends, not just people we meet, but even our enemies, that we would be kind, not because we can do it in our own strength, but because we're being changed by the Holy Spirit, and we're reflecting your character to the world around us. Lord, I pray that your kindness through us would lead people to encounter your character, to see more clearly who you are as they see you working in and through us. Lord, I pray for everyone here today. I thank you for the many people here today that have put their trust in your kindness, that have accepted your kindness as their Lord and Saviour. But today I want to pray particularly for those who haven't. Maybe they've heard about Jesus or maybe you've um, come along to church today not knowing what to expect. But today I believe God's speaking to people in this room. And he's speaking to you about the gospel, that he died in your place. And my prayer is today that if you don't know Jesus, that today you wouldn't leave this place unsure of what the future holds. That you wouldn't leave this place thinking, am I really forgiven? Can I ever be accepted? But you would leave this place knowing that you are in a relationship with God the Father through his son, Jesus Christ, by accepting what he did for you at the cross. And so while every head is bowed and every eye is closed this morning... I want to give opportunity to anyone here today who's never accepted Christ as their Lord. Or maybe you have and you've walked away and today is a day to come back to him. And while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to give you an opportunity just to be brave and to lift your hand and say, look, that's me. Today, I want to come to know Jesus. I want that certainty, that surety that I'm going to spend eternity with him. This is the greatest moment in someone's life when they put their faith in Christ. And so is there anyone here today that wants to take that step? Lord, I thank you for your word today. I pray that you would challenge our hearts with it. Lord, I pray that people would look at us as a church and they would see a bunch of people, a community of people who are incredibly kind. And Lord, I pray that that kindness would be used by you to attract people to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.